Welcome back to the No Illusions podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Riley. It's the 1st of July, 2011, and today on the show, a gentleman who hasn't been on the show since it was called G'day World, and since the 29th of November, 2007, which my mathematical genius brain calculates is about three and a half years ago, uh, all the way from the Western Australia uh, province, uh, Richard Giles. Welcome back to the show, Mr. Today, Day. mate. How are you? I'm great, Rich. How are you doing, buddy? I'm good. It's been way too long. As you, you and I were just saying, we probably have chatted a couple of times since then, but not really uh, that all that much, unfortunately. And uh, I have to start by congratulating you. Turned 40, is it last week? Yeah, a week ago, last Friday. Welcome um, to the forty. Yeah, you're right. Mate. It's 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 yeah. It's been a, it's been ages, but um, it never it doesn't seem like that. But I guess that's because we've all been busy doing stuff. Busy doing stuff, and I guess that's one of the great things about the twitters and the facebooks. Uh, you sort of keep up to date with what people are doing. You chat a little bit backwards and forwards. You don't need to, you know, write letters to people to know what's going on. Yeah, exactly. It's much easier to keep up to date. Now, speaking of which, what is going on? Because I got no idea what you're doing. I, I know that you've. Uh, well, let, let's 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 go back in time a little bit first. So, I think probably the last time you were on, you were in the process of doing your startup. Yeah. Uh, so, so back in us, the day, ca- catch everyone up to date. What's happened since November 2007 in your life, Rich? All right. Well, I'll try and remember because I can't remember specifics because. Bugger knows what date I did anything on. But, um, yeah, back then I was running something called Recommendation Ventures, which was producing uh, a product called Scouter, which is really bizarre because I can actually say what Scouter was now and everybody understands me. It was a cloud-based recommendation engine. But back then you couldn't say that because everybody was like, uh, what's cloud and what, what does recommendations mean? So now you can kind of say all that because every man and his dog's doing something with clouds and recommendations. And so, um, yeah, so that's that's what I would have been doing back then. And uh, I was probably winding things down or at least about to wind things down because we were running out of cash. And when did when did that whole global crisis, when, when did that all come to come to the fore i can't even remember it was uh yeah late 2007 into 2008 it really started to ramp up i mean it really it it sort of came crashing down when all the investment banks collapsed just before the uh uh, u.s federal election sort of october november 2008 but it had been ramping up for about a year yeah and so selling stuff in Australia that was in the cloud and selling it to internet-based companies here in Australia was a bit of a hard slog, and so we were running out of money, and so I had to had to look to wind it up. And, uh, you know, one of the things I tell everybody here, and it's still the same today, is that the Australian internet is essentially owned by, like, five companies. Uh, and we don't realise that. We kind of chug along. We use the internet, and, and if we do anything online, we don't realise that it's owned by News Corp and Fairfax and, you know, just a handful of of companies. So if you want to go and sell anything to an internet-based company here in Australia, you're usually looking at speaking to one of those guys, unless you get lucky and you end up speaking to, um, you know, somebody that's 
just raised a round of capital or something, which are few and far between. So anyway, we wound that up, uh, and uh, and then I went off and got a a full time job as a social media specialist, which is now a really dirty word because everybody calls themselves that, especially real estate people, apparently. <laughs> really. Oh yeah, it seems to be the case. So we, um, so yeah, so, so who, I, was, I was doing that. Who are we doing that for? I was doing it for uh, uh, the longest acronym in the world, which is the CPSUCSA, which is the union that looks after a lot of uh, of the small uh, government agencies here in WA. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was good because you know, fortunately, a position came up within their organisation. And it's unusual for a union to start to think like this, but obvious, I guess, to us that have been online for so long. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I worked with them for, I think it was just over a, a year and a half, doing their social media things, which also entailed doing, you know, all the normal mundane things like creating, you know, monthly newsletters and fixing up the website, and but also coming up with strategies and, and trying to, I guess, um, educate internally everyone on the dynamics of social media and, and why the world's changing and they probably should too, which wasn't that easy. No, I can imagine. And then uh, so you, you moved on from there and? Yeah, so the big news is, is where I'm at now, which is it's, you know, the, the perfect job. What happened was um, the, so I met a company called Adapter, which was P. T-O-R, and it was started by uh, a guy who had created a company here in Perth about 10 years ago called Market United, um, and which was essentially a, a, you know, a company that built websites but worked a lot with the digital agencies and so ended up consulting into some of the high-end customers here in Perth. And he sold Market United. So this is Mark Loveridge. He sold it about three years ago but had to see out uh, a contract, to, you know, because the, the people that bought his company wanted to make sure he stuck around to, to manage it and hand it over, I guess. And he saw that off um, and, and it sort of the contract for him finished at the end of last year and he owns a, a farm uh, in the Swan Valley, which is, you know, only about 45 minutes outside of Perth, just sort Sorry. of off to the, the northeast. Hold on, mate, you dropped out there. He owns a what outside of Perth? Hello? Um, not, not a big farm. Oh, a farm. That? A farm. Yeah, yeah, you're sort of dropping in and out every... Now and again, mate. So, okay, he owns a farm. Right, keep going. Yeah, he owns a farm. Um, uh, it's just a small one with horses. Okay, I've lost you again. Hello? He, he rears hey, sheep whoa, or anything. Whoa, whoa, but whoa, uh, whoa, hey, but whoa, anyway, whoa. He, uh, he, he he decided. Yeah. You want me to jump on a laptop or something, not be so mobile? <laughs> Yeah, we've, we forgot to mention that you're doing this on an iPhone. Yeah, yeah, you just keep dropping out, man. Uh, I just lost you for a few seconds there that time. It's also this crap internet that we've got here in Australia. Goddamn crappy Australian internet, half-assed. Yeah, well, uh, can you get on a laptop? Is that easy to do or is it tricky? Yeah, give me, give me a couple of minutes. You, you just might have to put up with other stupid noises from laptop fans, CP, uh, CPU fans spinning up and stuff. But give me a minute. I'll call you back. I'll put some hold music on while we wait. <laughs> right. See you, mate. Yeah.
olha que coisa mais linda, mais cheia de graça Ela menina que vem que passa Num doce balanço caminho do mar Moça do corpo dourado do sol de Ipanema O seu balançado Hello Alright I hope everyone enjoyed our whole music there um, So Let's go back to uh, Mark, who's got a farm outside of Perth. Yep, got a farm outside of Perth. Not rearing sheep, but uh, has a few horses. Anyway, he uh, wound up his, his, well, he jumped out of the company because, you know, his contract ended, and he twiddled his thumbs for a while while he bought a tractor and traipsed around his farm and decided that he needed to do something, and, and mobile was it. And so he set up an adapter at, at that point, and uh, I caught up with him for breakfast uh, a while ago and, and had a chat when he was sort of looking to do something. And he said, yep, look, I'm setting up the company, but there's no guarantees. Um, but if you do this, this bit of contract work for us for the next month outside of, you know, your normal work hours and things pan out, then, yeah, might be a job for you at the end of it. So I gave my notice at the union and did uh, about a month's work developing a mobile strategy for a, a large company here in Perth. And by the time I'd finished that and left the union, things were rolling along with Adapter and, uh, and I've jumped in. And so my title now is um, Strategic Director. Um, I basically look after any of the strategy internally or for or companies and I... Um, yeah, we essentially what we do is either build or consult to companies to do with either mobile apps or mobile websites, essentially anything mobile. Excellent. And, uh, you build mobile apps, yeah. so you can build iPad, iPhone apps as well. You just do strategy or do you do build as well? No, we do build. So we've got a team of engineers here as well, all up now. So this is only a few months in. We've got a total of seven people. We're looking for number eight. And, uh, yeah, so the guys here can build in um, for, you know, iPhone, so iOS essentially, uh, and they also do Android and uh, will also, you know, pick up any of the other stuff that if it ever takes off like Windows or, uh, or if RIM doesn't die, but we can do any of those things as well. All of the guys here except for Mark and I are Android fanboys, so, you know, we try and keep them on the straight and narrow and, and that doesn't really work. <laughs> Um, I'll have to talk to you about uh, doing something for me, actually. I want to build a cigar-based app, and I've been looking for someone yeah. to build it. The guys that I knew over here that used to do apps don't do it anymore, so uh, we'll have to have a chat. See, yeah, I, knew, sure. I, I, knew, I knew we should talk more often. Yeah. <laughs> this Facebook crap's just worth nothing. <laughs> so let's get it. Oh, that's, oh, that's good. I'm glad you landed somewhere, man, and that it's um, you know it's all going well for you. Let's Let's talk about life in general. So... Since I think uh, we used to do the show together, we've been through both been through divorces, and I also I just realised that the last time we did a podcast, November two thousand and seven, was just before I made the decision to move up to Queensland in uh, sort of New Year's Eve two thousand and eight. So that's probably one of the reasons why we uh, didn't do a show. And um, I know that you've been through a divorce. I've been through a divorce. You hooked up with Lulu. I hooked yep. up with Chrissy. Our lives have just changed uh, dramatically in the last four years. They sure have. Yeah. yeah. Are you I happy? guess that's the thing. I can remember. Go oh, ahead. Yeah, do you, yeah. do you yeah. mind if we talk a bit about personal life? No. In fact, I wouldn't mind. See, because something that people don't realize is because we never really talked about it back then. 
because, you know, I wasn't about to go and say how woeful my life was while I was going through a divorce. But part of the reason why, you know, I stopped doing the podcast and despite what Wikipedia says, um, we didn't have a falling out. It was literally I needed to start to focus on a few other areas in my life because of um, separation and things like that. So I had to pull away from doing some podcasts. So back then, that you know, that was that was why. But now life's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, you know, things. People say it to you, and you want to smack them in the head at the time because you know they're all like, "Oh, things will work out, and things happen for a reason." And uh, and of course they do. But when you're in the thick of it, that's that's not kind of the crap you want to hear. I think I I, um, I in fact said that to you a few times. Probably, uh, but you're bigger than me, so I wouldn't wouldn't go for it. <laughs> It's probably why you stopped talking to me. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I can remember you and I would chat like off the air back then, and and uh, you were really taking it hard—the whole divorce and separation thing. You were really struggling, but uh, all worked out for the best. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's the perfect world, you know. I've got my my daughter, and I see her every second week, so I have a fifty percent of the time, and that's wonderful because I get to see my kid, you know, grow up. But also, I get fifty percent of the time off where I get to. You know, do the do the things that other people do when they don't have children. Uh, and I met Louise, and you know, she's uh, perfect for me. You know, we we match so well, and um, and you know, so yeah. I mean, and now I'm, I'm doing this adapter job, which is sort of my ideal job. So things couldn't be better. They are absolutely awesome. So you know, world apart from where I was a few years ago with a business I had to wind down and a, a divorce I had to go through and all that. That kind of rubbish. And so uh, what, what words of advice would you give to people that are going through a tough time? <laughs> uh, don't worry, you know, th- things, things will work out. They happen for a reason. Um, <laughs> nah, I mean, I think, you know, some of the things that you actually used to say did actually matter to me at the time in that, you know, it's not, and, and it's true, it's, it's your mentality at the time and, you know, I wasn't about to give up on anything. It wasn't like things were that bad, and and it's just keeping, keeping looking for the positives in things. I think is the stuff that you used to say, and you know, again, it's it's tough to do at the time, but the things come out that it turns out that the things that you thought were negatives are actually positives, and it and it's just keeping that state of mind, and then you know, making sure you you you're mingling with the right type of people, right. You got to you got to stay with the positive people. Hang out with the positive people that are that are ambitious and and looking to do amazing things. And and then you just can't help but be positive because you feel fucking guilty if you don't. But um, they're, they're sort of the things that I sort of suggest. And nothing's that bad. I mean, death. If, I think I used to say back then that you know nothing was. Um, worth rushing into unless, you know, death was involved. And, and so usually things are, don't involve death. And unfortunately, if they do, then, then that's, that's bad. But, you know, we survive. You mean not rushing into unless you're going to die or not rushing into unless you, 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 you rush towards death or away from it? I'm not sure what you meant by that. Yeah, I, didn't, I wasn't very clear. So, yeah, <laughs> unless... Unless your life is in danger, there's no need to rush, right? Ah, and even right. then, you don't want to rush. So if you get bitten by a snake, yeah, panic. But if you, um, you know, if if you've got to if you've got to make a decision about work, 
take an extra week to think about it. You know, it's not like you know that week is going to matter, or you know, you take take your take your time about it. You don't need to rush into things. So that's what I mean by uh, unless it involves death. Yeah, I think what I probably said to you back then, something that's been my one of my mantras over the last few years has been there's there's two questions that you need to ask yourself when you're going through shit. And the first is, how can I turn this situation to my advantage? And the second is, what does this situation enable me to do that I wouldn't have been able to do otherwise? And I just find that yep. those two questions start your brain thinking about ways to turn it into a positive situation rather than do what most of us have been trained to do, which is to dwell on shit like, oh, my God, how could this happen to me? Why? How could they do that to me? Oh, my God, what will happen to my life now? And you just get in this spiral which doesn't get you anywhere. But if you, if you re-engineer your brain to take every situation and go, okay, how do I turn this to my advantage? It's amazing. Your brain figures out shit. It, you know, it may not happen instantly, but... You sit down with a pen and a pad for a few hours over a coffee or a glass of wine or whatever and you just focus. Eventually, it's amazing how many times you think about ways that you can turn this to your advantage. I remember when TPN was really had I completely around about the same time, you know, I'd run out of money, I was getting getting a divorce, we were moving from Melbourne to Brisbane. And like everything that could possibly go wrong was going wrong all at the same time. You know, TPN got massively hacked early in 2008. Hosts were quitting left, right and centre through pod fade or whatever. And, and I was, you know, racking up tens of thousands of dollars of bills and all this kind of stuff that I couldn't afford to pay. And I remember thinking, okay, well, what does this enable me to do that I wouldn't be able to do otherwise? I thought, well, you know, if I go bankrupt, I'll just go and live in, I'll go back up to Bundaberg, live with my mum and just spend the days on the beach writing that book that I've been wanting to write and haven't had time to for the last few years and that, that would be awesome. I would love to be able to take a year off to write a book. So, you know, I was actually not frazzled by the whole thing at all. As it turned out, that's not what ended up happening but, uh, you know. Another thing yeah, that, but you maintain a positive attitude towards it also. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, I mean, it, it meant that I didn't lose any sleep. I wasn't worried. I knew that whatever happened, there'd be something good that would come out of it. I've got to tell you about this book that I've been writing too. I've, I've finished it. It's um, uh, the the working title is the Science of Happiness, H A P E N E S. But I might come up with a better title. But it's basically taking <laughs> it's basically taking. Um, quantum mechanics and philosophy and bringing them together and trying to articulate what's been my personal philosophy for the last 20 years uh, and articulate it in terms of some elementary uh, quantum physics that I think any layperson could understand. So just and, a light read then? Actually, it is a light read and it's a short read. I've, <laughs> it, it's about 30, 40 pages long. Uh, it's only got three chapters. So I'm, I'm running a fourth at the moment, uh, uh, final chapter. But it's it's very, very simple. It's an introduction to bridging quantum mechanics and philosophy. It's not meant to be deep. Um, it's meant to be very, very simple, very light, and but it's, it's designed to help people reduce fear, reduce anxiety, reduce uh, guilt, reduce anger, 
all of these negative emotions that people are saddled with that I think if we actually had a correct understanding of quantum physics, all of that stuff would disappear. Anyway, I'll have to, uh, oh, I, I'll have to shoot you a copy. I'm going to start a podcast yeah. actually about it sometime in the next month or so when I'm ready to publish it. Yeah, that'd all. be cool. So, uh, well, mate, it's, I'm really glad to hear that things have worked out for you and um, life is good. It's, um, I always knew it would be. You're a good bloke. You're a smart, nice fella, and good things tend to happen to nice people. Thanks, Cam. Unless they don't, uh, in which case, forget I ever said that. Um, <laughs> uh, let's let's talk tech stuff, man, because seeing as that's what we used to do back in the day, I can remember, I think we actually did a podcast. I went looking for it a couple of days ago, couldn't find it, but I think we actually did a podcast when News Corp bought MySpace. And I think we actually said at the time, wow, that's an interesting decision. Uh, and of course, yeah, probably. news this week is they paid $580 million for it back in the day. They just sold it for $35 million in stock. They're keeping 5%. Justin Timberlake is one of the guys who's uh, taken off their hands. I think it's an advertising, an online advertising company that's bought it. Yeah, oh, which is amazing. So uh, what do you think happened? What, what, what happened to news and MyScape? My, MyScape, MySpace. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, News Corp aren't exactly um, visionary. Uh, so, you know, they would have probably struggled with uh, steering a, a ship that, that needed to be visionary. And, and to be honest with you, I never thought much of MySpace in the, the first place anyway. It was the reason I think why MySpace was successful back in the day was it, it just didn't really have any direction and so, it, you know, it was really popular with young kids that sort of didn't have any direction either. So it was like cool to be on there because your, your parents weren't. And, of course, News Corp bought them, which is like, you know, your parents' favourite company buying, a, a, a you know, your favourite company, which just totally trashes the whole idea anyway. <laughs> um, and then I was listening to a well, – I was watching – well, I wasn't really watching. It was an interview with um, – uh, uh, um, Sean, what, what's his Sean? Is it Sean Parker that used Parker. to be one of the Napster guys? Yeah, um, and and he was talking about it just the other day, and and you know he sort of said they just they couldn't they couldn't keep up with with building the necessary features that were going to be required, and and he said MySpace could have absolutely been Facebook and killed Facebook, but they just didn't execute properly. Um, I don't think they ever had. Uh, anyone on board that could really execute properly. The guy, you know, the guys that founded it weren't really that savvy. It was part luck, right? And and the luck ran out. This is Tom. Not, Wasn't it Tom, the guy? Tom, that was, yeah. I, I never wanted to be friends with anyway. I, I mean, I haven't read too much in detail on the whole deal. I mean, I, I like you, I was never uh, a MySpace uh, fan, never really used it a great deal. Well, I can't say I'm a Facebook fan either. I'm sort of a uh, um, reluctant Facebook user as well. But uh, I, I read a thing the other day that said that MySpace still today has something like 70 million visitors but was losing about $200 million a year. And I can't yeah. fathom that. How, how the fuck can you have 70 million visitors and be losing money at all, let alone losing $200 million a year. Where the fuck was it going? I I wonder if it's a real losing money or if it's like creative Hollywood financing losing money. 
Because I yeah, can't for the be. life of me figure out how you lose $200 million a year when you're running a business that's got 70 million visitors. Do you know how that works? Yeah. No, no you're, idea. You're but I mean, I the, visitors, the, the visitors they'll be getting or, you know, won't be sticking around or, you know, clicking on adverts or anything. They're probably getting... Because the, the only people that, you know, continued probably to visit MySpace in, in the last few years are people that have a vague interest in music and they were losing those anyway because all the musicians just migrated across to, to Facebook anyhow. Um, but God knows. I don't, yeah, who knows how they, they managed to do it. I mean, they probably still need a, a bucket load of infrastructure. And looking at the surface of MySpace and how messy it is, I can only imagine what the, the actual code was. So they probably didn't optimize that. They're probably running on, you know, several million servers or something when they only need to be running on a few hundred K or something stupid like that, you know. It's just, who knows, they, uh, uh, you know, really, News Corp, do I, do I need to say any more? <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, there's a couple of interesting lessons from this. Number one is having lots and lots of customers doesn't necessarily mean you're going to make money. Um, you know, we've seen this lesson again and again over the years in the internet world. Hold on, one of my kids wants to come in here. Yeah, come in. I'm at work and my kids are here today because they're on holidays. Hold on a second, folks. Yeah, what, Tay? You finished writing your essay? Your story? Yeah. That's a fine. I'm doing a podcast, so I'll check it later. So um, just go and entertain yourself for about another. Huh? No, I'm going to leave it in. Uh, I don't cut shit out. Um, yeah, go and entertain yourself for about half an hour, right? I'll, be, I'll come and check it. Play on your iPhone. Um, <laughs> Make some international calls. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, we've learned once again that having lots and lots of visitors is no guarantee of uh, you know monetization. We've also learned yet again for the nth time that platforms are very unstable. I can remember this is this is fact. I was in News Corp's offices in Sydney when the MySpace deal was announced because they were looking at investing in TPN at the time. You remember that infamous yeah, podcast right. you and I did where I slagged off News Corp and then yep. my investment bankers <laughs> rang me and abused me? Um, yep, yep. <laughs> uh, I want to go back they and weren't. listen to that podcast. That was good. <laughs> they weren't uh, buying you for your uh, public relations skills. Hey, I just told it as it was. They fucked me around and fuck it. You, you know, if you fuck me around, I'm going to call you out for fucking me around and wasting my fucking time, which they did. Um, so, you know, losing $500 million couldn't happen to a nicer bunch of people as far as I'm concerned. But um, I was actually in their offices when the MySpace deal was announced and they said to me, what do you think? And I, this is no word of a lie. I remember saying to them, you know what? The history of the internet, if it's proved, if it's taught us anything... It's that it's very, very hard to make platforms sticky. And the history of the internet is platforms come and platforms go, and it's very, very hard to get people not to just move en masse to the new platforms when they come along. And, but if, you know, you can do it, you know, good luck to you. And they're like, yeah, we're News Corp. You know, we know content. We know reader loyalty. We know how to do this. But, uh, you know, there you go. There you go. And I'm, I'm still surprised Facebook's still around. Facebook is such a fucking dog's breakfast of, of a platform that – and they're so evil. And uh, Zuckerberg comes across like such a dick. I'm still 
absolutely surprised that no one's come along and, and toppled them off the mountain yet. Are you? But it was a really great movie. Um, it was a great movie, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, but the, see, the thing is, right, every, you know, everybody freaks out about, you know, being locked into Facebook, and it's exactly like you say. I mean, what's the downside of, uh, you know, everybody moving over to a, a different platform when, when another one comes on? It's not really. I mean, who cares? I mean, you know, I, I don't have anything stored in Facebook that I'm overly concerned about. In fact, I've got nothing stored anywhere that I'm overly concerned about. The, the biggest place for me that has the most amount of stuff that I would be concerned about is Flickr, and I've got a backup of that anyway by using one of the services that does a backup of Flickr. And so even if Flickr or Yahoo decided to do something with Flickr, it doesn't matter. I've still got all my photos. What do I care and the conversations, nah, they're transient anyway. I mean, you think about it, 10, 20 years ago, you didn't, you weren't, you never stored conversations. I mean, you know, comments and conversations and, and who goes back and look, looks at all their Facebook conversations that happened several years ago anyway? I, I don't. So, yeah, it's no biggie. If something else comes along, we'll all move along to that. Uh, you know, and it, uh, so, who cares? It's like you uh, say, right? Shit, I've got a, I've got a, the guy who shares the office next to me is about to come in. So, uh, anyway, we'll just keep talking. Yeah, look, I, um, there'll be some background noise here, but we'll live. I, um, I think the only thing that I, I would like to be able to port is my social graph. To have to recreate the 10,000 followers in Twitter or the 1,000, 1,500 friends in Facebook, whatever, every time like Google Plus launched, obviously, yesterday. To have to re-invite all of my friends and go through all that process again is uh, a pain in the ass. Yeah, but people have worked out. I mean, there's already instructions online about how you port your Facebook um, friends across to, to yeah through Yahoo or something like that. So there's there's always a workaround. That's what the there you is. know it's the famous saying that everybody says about the the internet. It's made to route around these type of, of issues, but. Again, uh, I don't mind, you know. I mean, yes, sure, it would take me a long time to build up the same amount of followers I've got on Twitter on something else, but then I use them differently anyway. Exactly. And, you know, really, is it going to kill me if, you know, let's say Twitter pulled the plug and I lost all of those? Is it going to destroy my day-to-day routine? No, not really. No. I think you're right. I mean, uh, do you think, um, what do you think about the survivability of Facebook, though? Do you think it's going to be around forever? Um, I doubt it. Nothing ever is. Um, Yeah, it's a tough one, right? Because we're we're sort of in uncharted territory here. You know, there's, there's nothing that has ever been around like the internet and nothing that's been as big as Facebook is. So it's interesting. But, but, you know, something else, something amazing will pop up that, that we haven't even thought about yet and it could displace Facebook completely. And the chances of that, pretty bloody good really when you think about it because um, it's just, you know, historically that's what happens. Facebook displaced MySpace. MySpace displaced Friendster. Friendster, you know, was, was kind of, I don't know, whatever it displaced, but the internet is displacing a whole bunch of other things. The, the television displaced radio a little bit to a degree. Radio displaced, I don't know if it displaced anything because it was probably so brand new and completely different that it didn't, didn't displace anything at all. But, you know, it, 
I doubt it'll be around forever um, because history's on my side. So if these things have a track record of life cycles that are, let's say, sub-10 years, I'd say most of them are sub-5 years, you know, MySpace's uh, story arc, at least up to its current generation, is about five years. Um, why do people build their valuations up so high? Like, what's my uh, Facebook's valuation at now? It's like five hundred trillion, gazillion, bajillion dollars. I think last time I looked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, they could it, buy the planet or something. If if history teaches us that these things tend to last less than 10 years before they get replaced or subsumed by a, a new paradigm. How, how do we justify these value? I mean, the valuation of Facebook today obviously isn't based on today's earnings. It's based on future earnings and multiples of future earnings probably. But if realistically we know that these things have a limited lifespan, how do we justify that kind of evaluation? Well, I mean, that, that's what we'd like to believe that it's valued on, but the reality is it's valued on what we think we can, you know, sell it for. And the, the people that are invested in these things at the moment are invested in it for realistically a short-term um, uh, time, you know. They're, they're, not, they're not in it for it's a 10, 20 dump. years. It's a pump yeah. and dump. It's a Goldman Sachs people, pump and dump. The people that are, in, you know, who, who are talking it up, are only in it for a short term. If they were in it for the long term, yeah, they wouldn't buy it. They'd buy into an oil company or they'd buy into, you know, something that has a life cycle that lasts more than a few years. So they're just, yeah, they're talking up the valuations because it, it, there's an interest in it because they can make some money in the short term. And that's the thing about this whole, you know, and I'll use the air comma, air comma things, the, um, the bubble at the moment it is it's not a tech bubble it's an investment bubble and so that's what but whenever anybody talks about the bubble in the the tech industry it frustrates the bugger out of me because there was never a tech bubble ever because mm -hmm. you, you think about it companies that were in that bubble are still around there's amazon there's yahoo um they they hold um, on pets and there's dot, apple and pets.com <laughs> god knows but they they all made money right um, no, well, it, no, they didn't. I mean, five out of the uh, five hundred that uh, Ray that floated on the stock exchange still are around, and yeah, made but, money, but, but the other four hundred ninety-five, but, but it wasn't a tech bubble. It's the same as any business, right? How many how many businesses in any industry survive? Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. And and you, I, I understand what you're saying. Have you read um, Griftopia yet, Matt Taibbi's book? No. Sounds good. Uh, you you got to get it, man. It's uh, Matt Taibbi is a uh, guy who's currently writing for Rolling Stone, has been for the last couple of years, and he, he mainly focuses on politics and Wall Street, and he's been doing a lot of exposés on Goldman Sachs in particular and the whole financial crisis. Uh, but he's just a really, really entertaining uh, writer. He's the new Hunter S. Thompson. He's just funny. He's the guy who infamously referred to Goldman Sachs as a giant vampire squid with its blood-sucking funnels stuck into the middle of humanity, sucking it dry. Um, <laughs> but his book, uh, Griftopia, which basically talks about the global financial crisis, how it came to be, 
and how it, you know, and about the bailouts and how it all worked and where all the money went and who was shafting who. He points out that you know Goldman Sachs were the main guys behind the tech bubble, and it was a massive pump and dump, exactly the same way as the the mortgage securities market was in the late two thousands. It was like take a really a bunch of really dodgy investments, pump the hell out of them, sell them to dumb investment managers and superannuation funds and banks, and uh, then get the fuck out before it collapses. That, that's been their model yeah. decade after decade after decade. And every time this happens, they get accused of fraud and, and market manipulation. They, you know, protest their innocence. There ends up being a congressional inquiries. They get found guilty. They pay a $40 million fee and uh, to settle it and walk away. And, yeah, they make billions out of these things. They get a slap on the wrist walk away and do it all over again. They've been doing this for years and years and years. And and you're right. I mean, the, the fact that it's called a housing bubble or a tech bubble or whatever it is, is masking the fact that it's a investment bank pump and dump. Mm-hmm. We don't, yeah, we don't exactly. even call it what it is. Because if we called it what it is, people might wise up. But we don't call it what it is. It's these guys just raping and pillaging. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, I mean, I like to think of, you know, the internet has changed the world and, and all of the supposed hype about it changing the world was right. Um, it's yes. just, yeah, you probably didn't want to buy, um, you know, MySpace when it was valued at whatever ridiculous valuation it was valued at because it could never, ever match that type of valuation in the real world. Yeah. So what do you think of Google Plus, mate? You've uh, been on it for 24 hours so far. What do you think? What's your call on Google Um, Plus? Is it going to survive? Is it going to dive? Well, I wish I'd stopped getting the emails telling me that somebody else has joined uh, Google Plus. But other other than that, you know, it's okay. It's fine. I'll see what happens with it. I mean, I don't think it's particularly amazing. As a lot of people have said, it looks amazingly like Facebook. Um, I find their their pub, uh, you know their their media announcement kind of laughable in that they sort of suggested that you know it's time for somebody to to look at this and do something completely different and they did something exactly the same as all the stuff that's already out there. Um, they they might get traction because they're Google and you know a lot of people use Google anyway. I mean if you've got a big uh, uh, or little um, button called you in the top left hand of the the website you visit, you know, several times a day, then there's a good chance that it's going to get some sort of traction. But there's nothing amazing or unique about it. I mean, so what? You know, your friends are now, um, uh, you know, graphed in a a circle and that's about the only innovation? Well, I'm I'm pretty sure circles have been around for quite a while. Um, So, you know, hey... Uh, it's nothing special. Um, I don't think it's that amazing. The other thing that I find amusing is, what was it? I think yesterday you could buy a Google Plus invite for something like seventy-five bucks on on eBay. Um, <laughs> Shit! I wish I thought of that. Yeah, talking about bubbles, um, <laughs> and the, the amount of people I saw joining up yesterday, you know, um, I'd have I'd have paid people not to uh, send out invites. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's it's nothing amazing. And in fact, it's so obscenely like buzz. I'm su- you know surprised a lot more people aren't mentioning that. It's just a different skin on it, really. 
It's 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 part buzz. It's uh, part you know Facebook like button with the plus button button. It's got some you know some sharing stuff built in. But I I think you're right. I think the killer uh, advantage to this is they've thought more this time about how to integrate it with the rest of the Google experience into the search results. It's into your Google profile. Obviously, it's working its way into Gmail and you would imagine Calendar and Docs and Picasa and Reader and all these sorts of things. So, yeah, I think they've done, they put a little bit more thought into that side of it this time, which is something that always surprised me with Google Wave and with Google Buzz. Um, They just didn't seem to be integrated when they came out with the other Google services, which kind of. misses the point of it being another Google service. I mean, when you've got this massive install base, if you launch something else that's directly competing against an existing service, you want to play against your strength, which is A, your install base, but B, the fact that the the install base is coming to your services multiple times a day. But uh, I think this time they've at least got that part right. Um, we'll We'll just see. Yeah. yeah, and you, I mean, you are right. It, it, the integration of other things will uh, be the make or break, and you know that's that's what we're all waiting for—is the seamless integration of technology into our lives. And we're still waiting, but I mean, it, we're getting there. Little not, baby steps. Another thing that they have done, which Facebook hasn't done, is the Google Hangout. So that's like a Skype call built into the service, which is nice. So that's that's a plus. Um, the, the negative, though, I'd say with launch day is no native iOS support. There's an Android app, but um, you know you, you have to run it in a browser for iOS support. And I tried that yesterday, and it was a bit clunky. So you know, if I were them, I would have come out at least with a basic upgrade to the Google iOS apps. Um, so you know, when people are all excited about it, that that sort of honeymoon period you get the first couple of weeks, they can at least uh, you know. Be playing with it on their yeah. iOS apps, and they're obviously working on it. But you've got to you, you've got to wonder whether or not they've actually got it. They're just holding on to it because they'd rather people had Android. So give Android users something to play with rather than iOS. I don't know. No, it's an yeah, interesting you, one. You, you can't do that. You you got to go for a massive uh, play. You got to got to try and get everyone using it. If you, you, if they you don't think and, Google are arrogant enough to try something like that, I don't think they're stupid enough. That's the sort of thing Microsoft would do. I don't think Google are that stupid. I think they're smarter. I think it's, you know, I, I think they're smart enough to know that uh, the the success here is to get user adoption that's platform agnostic. I tell you one other thing that surprised me though when I was talking about integration is places. Google Places doesn't seem to be integrated into Plus yet. Uh, I was out and about yesterday and I thought I'd log into Plus and see if I could get recommendations on local places or, or recommend places via Plus and uh, was surprised when I jumped into the mobile version of Google Plus that there was no Places integration. Yeah, it's weird their whole attitude towards location-based stuff um, because, you know, I've been using Latitude just personally because I, I think it's amazing what the potential could be, not what it actually does. Um, and and they haven't really, you know, ta- you know, taken that anywhere either. But, I mean, for those people that don't really know and haven't ever looked at Latitude, Latitude just monitors where you are all through the day, which most people freak out about. But, um, you know, I've got 
I've got quite strict privacy settings on on my latitude. Um, and then it will actually give you feedback. It'll tell you stuff about yourself like where your work is and how long you spend at work and how long you spend at home. And again, all of the privacy people will, will probably no doubt say that this is a terrible thing. But to me, the intriguing thing is when you will start to get recommendations based on your movements. And I think Google will be one of the first people to be able to do that in to any great degree. I mean, I know Foursquare have got stuff like that built in and um, and a few others have tried to leverage off of that. But, yeah, location, Google hasn't really done much with at all yet. Maybe it's just too, too young. There's, you know, we've only had mobile phones that have been able to do this sort of thing for the last couple of years and, you know, maybe it's just going to take its time. But that'll be really fun when, when all of that sort of happens. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's some interesting possibilities if they integrate your latitude data with maps data and then even Google Plus data, you know, to be able to say, look, we noticed that you do this trip from you know point A to point B a couple of times a week or a couple of times a month. Um, we've we've actually calculated, uh, and we noticed that it takes you X amount of time to do it. We've actually calculated a better route for you based on traffic cam data and based on our analysis of traffic density during different times of the day. By the way, did you know that a good friend of yours on Google Plus also makes that same trip? Maybe the two of you can uh, share a ride, cut down on your uh, carbon emissions, get some carbon credits. A lot of stuff that they can do if they're smart about you know, pulling all this data together. Um, yeah, and that's obviously their end game. We should wrap it up, mate, but um, you come back. You want to do more of this? This is good. Yeah, for sure. I love it. I used to love it all the time back then. I was always disappointed that, that you know, I, I pulled out of it. But, uh, but, yeah, let's do more. Okay, next Friday? Yeah. Pencil it in. All cool. right. Uh, Richard Giles, people aren't following you on Twitter. Rich Giles or Richard Giles? Richard, Richard Giles. Giles. Yeah, all together. G-I-L-E-S. And your pimping adapter, A-D-A-P-P-T-O-R. That's right, yeah. Anything else? Buy stuff. Anything else you want to pimp? Any any books you've written lately on Flickr or anything else? Nah, nah, I gave up writing books back then. <laughs> All right, bud. Good to talk to you, matey. Thanks, mate. Beleza que não é só minha, que também passa sozinha. Ah, se ela soubesse que quando ela passa, o mundo sorrindo se enche de graça e fica mais lindo por causa do amor.
Thank mm-hmm. you. 